Hey everybody, it's comedian Trent McClellan, and you're listening to my podcast called The Generators. Every single week I have a cool guest and we talk about uh, life, professions, creativity, success, failure, and all sorts of other cool stuff. And every single one of these conversations I learned a great deal and I'm pretty sure you're going to learn a great deal too. So uh, hang on tight and thanks for listening to The Generators. Good day, everybody. Welcome to The Generators. I'm Trent McClellan, and uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for putting this thing in your ears. You got a lot of options, and you chose this, and I'm happy that you did. Uh, I hope you had a good weekend and uh, did everything that you wanted to do up there on your Friday, Saturday, and perhaps Sunday. I'm recording this Sunday night in Mount Pearl, Newfoundland, and uh, yeah, I... uh, I had a fun weekend, man. Got to hang out with some old friends on Friday night, and I'm gonna be honest with you. We drank, uh, we drank quite a bit, and uh, as you get older, you don't quite uh, rebound like you used to. You know, you uh, you suffer somewhat the next day, but uh, it was worth it because uh, caught up with some old friends and just reliving um, some memories from university and living together. Is there anything better than old friendships, really? Is that not the rich, fertile soil of life? Someone write that down. That is deep. Come on. you got to give it to me there. That is deep, deep. Friends that you just lived through good times, bad times, trying to find yourself as a young person, going through university, stories, the breakups you went through those people were there the tough times the jobs man like that was a cross-section of uh some of the best years of my life the people were in that room there the other night so we did some bar hopping on george street in st john's and um and did a lot of laughing man and i always wake up the next day that's how i know i had a good night when my when my voice feels a little rough the next day that's so i know you i went for it that's when i know I got all that I could out of the night before. I squeezed every last drop of fun out of it when my voice is a little strained. That means I was laughing a lot, a lot and we were probably talking way too loud. And um, But it was good. But yeah, the day after, I did a little suffering. and um, But now I'm feeling pretty good. So I got one more day left here. And then I head back to the west coast of Newfoundland, back to my hometown, and then do the gathering. Uh, in Burlington on Thursday. I'm going to be there for the weekend, listen to some great music, and we're doing our show on a Thursday, and that's going to be awesome. Oh, I got a show announcement, everybody. I've been keeping this thing under wraps for a while, but I got a new show date. Are you ready for this? You ready for this? Bam, here it is, all right? October 21st, which is a Saturday, I do believe. This guy that you're listening to right now is going to be playing... Fort McMurray, Alberta, one of my favorite places to play. We're doing a show up there. We're even doing an early bird thing with tickets. You're going to get tickets a little bit cheaper if you get them between. um, They're going to be on sale Tuesday, this Tuesday, uh, the 22nd, I do believe that is, of of August. And um, you have till September 1st to get your early bird tickets. They're going to be a little cheaper than the regular price ones. So, yeah, man, they're going on sale the 22nd, this Tuesday. They're going to be ready to rock and roll at Keanu Theater in Fort McMurray, October 21st. 
bam, there it is, excited. Always killer shows up there. Such good crowds, sharp, and um, always fun to play up there. I've been going up there for a number of years and uh, wanted to go back up and kind of say thank you um, with a show up there. And we're doing a bit of a Q&A as well, so it's called a stand-up and sit show. And that means the first half of the show is just uh, doing stand-up like I've always done it. And uh, then there's going to be an intermission, and the second part is going to be just me doing a bit of a Q&A, and people can ask questions. You can tweet questions in beforehand uh, or email them, or you can ask them live on the night of. And you can ask me about anything you want, uh, life and or the podcast, or you can ask me about stand-up or certain bits or anything you want to talk about. You can ask me, and I will do my best to answer it. So... Good chance to just uh, you know get to know me a little bit, you know. That's uh, something I wanted to try to do something a little bit different. And rather than doing that lobby thing where it's a bit crazy and hectic, I thought this would make a little bit of a better thing and make it more of a formal part of the night. So yeah, October twenty first, stand up and sit show, Fort McMurray Keanu Theater. Bam! Uh, can't wait to do it. Tickets going to go on sale this Tuesday, August twenty second. So that's out. Oh, that feels like a relief. That feels like. Oh, you ever eat too much and you're just like, God, I just want to, just want to have some relief. That's what that felt like. Just like a, a, a good sense of, of lightness now that I have that. Uh, my God, I went, I told you, I told you a few podcasts ago that I knew upon arriving in Newfoundland that I was going to be start, that I was going to be consuming some deep fried foods, some deep fried deliciousness. Well, I went to a place called Keith's. It's in a, in the Goulds just outside of uh, Mount Pearl here. And let me tell you something. Okay, and this is a bold statement for a man who's had a lot of fish and chips over the years. Let me tell you something right now. I think I found my new favorite spot. That's right, Keith's and the Ghouls. This place is the real deal. Okay, okay, this thing was insane. I don't know if they they brought this stuff out. I don't know if they had to use a, some kind of wheelbarrow, but this was the most food, fish and chips wise, I've ever seen in my life. Like this thing, the plate itself had to weigh about four and a half pounds, five pounds, and because I'm an idiot, I ate all of it. And then went home and passed out because I literally, it just took, I think my digestive system needed so much energy to, to digest this that I literally went to bed afterwards. I mean, like literally seven, eight o'clock done for the night. Fantastic. What a good feed. Uh, check it out. If you get a chance the, the Goulds, uh, it's a place called Keith's and the Goulds. They're pretty famous. They've been around a long time for locals. They know about it, but if you're ever traveling through, check it out. So good. Fish was delicious. Fries were delicious. And um, it was quite tasty. Mm -hmm. I don't ever drink pop usually, like Coke or whatever. I had two cans of pop with it. And I'm like, screw it. You know what I mean? I'm I'm going all in. I'm going old school with it. You know? Let's have two cans of pop because apparently I'm not. A five pounds of food wasn't enough for me. Apparently, you know what I mean? So anyway, that's what I did, and uh, it was uh, it was fantastic. So check that out if you get a chance. Little plug there for uh, for Keith. It was uh, it was fantastic. Been hitting the sights here in St. John's, just kind of reliving some places, driving by some places that I used to live. Went up to Signal Hill. I mean, I know it's one of the, probably the main tourist attraction here in St. John's, but uh, it is stunning. Like on the right day, the view just of the horizon, looking out at the Atlantic Ocean, and then the view of the city was spectacular yesterday. Just the way the, the lighting was, and um, such a fantastic spot, and so much history up there. And it was busy, man. There was one thing to it. Excuse me, there was a Newfoundland dog just sitting on that concrete ledge right in front of the uh, the view of St. John's, and it literally looked like a Newfoundland and Labrador tourism commercial. People are coming by, they're petting the dog, the dog is just, uh, you know, drooling, and uh, 
what a beautiful shot it was. But yeah, I just had a coffee, went up there and hung out, looked around, uh, went to the ocean side there and just sat on um on a little ledge there just looking over, watching the waves. Beautiful. You can you forget Tom exists when you're sitting there. So uh it never fails to disappoint. Signal Hill, beautiful, fantastic. All right. Well, okay. Let's uh let's get this thing going. Let's um what do we got this week? Oh my god, fantastic guests. My guest this week, Kaylin Kyle, former Canadian women's national soccer team member, played over a hundred games for Canada, uh, won a bronze medal for Canada at the two thousand and twelve Olympics in um in the UK. Like uh I mean she's she had a tremendous career with, with uh with the national team and she played pro soccer as well on a few different teams in um and the um the women's league there and uh i'll tell you she it was a fantastic chat we got into a bit a little bit of everything talked about our love of dogs i mean uh and and i gotta be honest with you and i admit it in this podcast if you like dogs i mean i'm already 50 percent liking you we're already there but here the the this this the opposite is also true if you don't like dogs i, I mean I, I, I gotta i gotta wonder why 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 are you not liking that what's going on there is there a backstory if you were bitten by a dog, I get it. I totally understand that. That's that's a different set of that's a different scenario, okay? But who's not liking dogs just up front? I mean, it's come on, right off the bat, that's a red flag for me. I got to be honest, and I maybe that's something I got to work through. But I'm telling you right now, it's uh, it's right now, it's it's uh, it's a game changer. So anyway, we get into that a little bit and uh, talk about her time with the uh, with the national team, and uh, it was really cool because uh, I mentioned this during the podcast too that. The, the Canadian women's national soccer team, I would say over the last seven years, seven to eight years since John Herdman took over the team, um, the amount of success that that team has had and the profile that they've created for for women's soccer in Canada, but also just soccer in Canada in general has been, I don't even know how you could measure it. It's been, it's been such a huge impact. And, uh, I was able to go to the Women's World Cup when it was hosted in Canada a couple of years back and catch some games, and they play really good stuff. It, it, it's 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 really really good. The players are incredible, and um, Christine Sinclair, in my mind, is as big a superstar as you can find. I don't care men's sports, women's sports doesn't matter. What else do you need someone to do, based on the career that Christine Sinclair has had? So, Kaylin played with her for uh, for quite a while, for quite a number of years, and so yeah, we get into. You know, um, a lot of different things about, um, you know, how little money there is in women's professional soccer. And she talks about ways that she had to work around kind of uh, to kind of compensate and uh, to work around that and get a little bit creative. And uh, she was really honest, which was awesome. And uh, talk about her kind of delving into uh, her uh, color commentary role with TSN. She did during the Canada Games and uh, did a great job. And we get into that a little bit. And... uh, we get into the game, okay? And if you're a soccer fan in Canada, you know where you were that horrible, horrible dark day, okay? You know what I'm talking about. Don't pretend you don't know. 2012, okay? Okay? Semi-final, Canada versus USA, all right? Okay? One of the best soccer games I think is ever I've ever watched, to be quite honest. Like, the goals were incredible. High drama, entertaining, everything on the line. And then the referee decides to, uh, I don't know, 
just start pulling uh, calls out of her out of her ass. I guess I don't know what happened, but it, 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 she changed the game. Let's be honest, she changed the game. That's all I'm going to say. And I asked Kalen about that um, that game and that specific scenario about the rivalry with the U.S. And uh, yeah, she's quite honest about it all, man. It was it was awesome for her to be so uh, forthcoming and candid about it. And I've always wanted to talk to a player who met who, who played in that game rather. And kind of get their um, their insight on it all, and uh, you know it was fantastic. Kalen also talks about the bronze medal game against France uh, when they were successful and won that game one nothing. And uh, yeah, she talks about all of it. It was it was a really 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 cool chat, and I uh, I really really enjoyed it. And uh, she was we were talking on the phone. This is another phone conversation. She was in Atlanta, Georgia, where she currently lives. So uh, we were able to do this one and. I don't know. I think I, I still feel like, although the women's team has done so much and the profiles changed, I still don't know if they really get the full credit they deserve for what they did with the game of soccer in this country. Because I feel, as a Canadian soccer fan, there has not been a lot to cheer about over the last, I don't know, 20 years. Let's be honest, 20, 30 years. I mean, what have you had to celebrate except for a Gold Cup victory from the men a bunch of years ago? And uh, But the women's team... The fact that they have to go into every game now and are expected to win and get a result, just the fact that that expectation is now attached to them just shows you how far they've come, you know, that we expect them to win and perform well. And when they go to the Olympics, for example, we expect them to get on the podium and bring home a medal. That's an expectation. That wasn't the way it was, you know, let's say 10 years ago. We were just kind of hoping to fluke into things. So they've done so much, I think, to change the landscape of soccer in this country. And, and I mentioned it briefly when I was talking to Kalen that I think uh, quite often a lot of um, time and emphasis gets put on, you know, the women's national team and what they did for females in this country. But also, not to be overlooked, I think, is to realize what they just did for soccer fans in this country. Female, male, it doesn't matter. The fact that you can see a team wearing red jerseys go out there with that maple leaf on their chest and go out and perform at a high level and you know there's a great chance they're going to win today. I mean, that that feeling alone and that expectation has not been uh, part of the Canadian soccer fan experience always, you know, and, and I think they've, they've brought that now. So credit to every single person in that program and what they've done and John Herdman, the coach. Um, it's amazing uh, the, when you kind of readjust your mindset, which is what they did, I think, um, how things can turn around over time with, with a lot of hard work and sacrifice and dedication. And uh, I think that team was, uh, was proof of that. So, um, I've been following that team really closely over the last uh, bunch of years. And, and like I said, to, to have success um, on the level, on the world stage that they've had, um, they've brought me a lot of joy over the years uh, as a soccer fan. So um, it was great to kind of finally chat to, uh, to one of the players who was so instrumental in it all. And, uh, and, and yeah, and Kaylin also gets into uh, you know talking about her childhood and her modern soccer days and some challenges that she had there. Uh, kind of moving up through the ranks and I think there's a lot of parallels now to what kids are going through as she gets into that you know kind of maybe um, you know some lessons for parents in there about how they kind of want to approach their kids soccer career and uh, things they should do and maybe not do uh, which I think is pretty important now and uh, and uh, so that was really cool to hear her t her take on that and she's also got some soccer camps as well that she does right now that I think would be uh, really beneficial to any young player out there or any soccer organization looking to take their kids to the next level and give them some um, some great experience and and uh some great training and techniques so uh you guys should look for that as well 
So yeah, Kaylin Kyle, this is it. This is her. Um, this is my chat with her. And uh, big thanks to all of you again for listening. I really appreciate it. So sit back and uh, listen to my chat with Kaylin Kyle. All right. See you. Bye bye. Shining down, good luck. Baby, got them open all over town. Strictly bitch, you don't play around. Cover much grounds, got game by the town. Getting paid is a forte each and every day to play away. I can't get her out of my mind. I think about the girl all the time. East side to the west side. All right, my guest this week on the Generators podcast is uh, Kaylin Kyle, and she's on the phone in Atlanta, Georgia. Kaylin, how are you? I'm good, yeah. Having my morning coffee, so off to a good start. <laughs> are you? I know, that's, uh, that's a staple. Have you been a coffee drinker for a long time? Um, kind of, yeah, I guess. Maybe like five, six years, I guess. Yeah, so a long time. I, think, I switch back and forth between like coffee and tea. So yeah, I, I get into the green tea a little bit. I got a problem with coffee now. I think I read an article once about just well, just like like athletic performance and about how it's a little pick me up. And I think uh-huh. I, I went to hell with it after that. It was like wearing, wearing out oh, really? wearing out Keurig don't, machines left, right, and center. You know, <laughs> stupid. Oh, don't tell me, don't tell me that. <laughs> it, it, it's uh, it's ridiculous. Um, okay, so besides the fact that we are both soccer lovers, I also know that you are a dog lover uh what kind of what kind of dog do you have and what's what's your dog's name um so i have a golden retriever uh he's three and his name's frankie and he's honestly the best dog ever i know people fight me and say that their dog's better but mine's literally like a human he's so (laughs) cute (laughs) he's so cute. I've seen Obsessed. I've seen some photos. It is ridiculous. Like I uh I've established our bull terrier named Odin and I watched the movie Marley and Me about four years ago and I cried mm-hmm. I cried like a baby and I actually held the dog and he's looking at me like, Are you are you insane, dude? Like I'm gonna be around a long time. Like he couldn't he couldn't understand why I was an absolute mess. And I was like, I don't They're know. Honestly the best. It is. It's like, and I, I got a problem now because I, uh, when I meet someone and if they mention they don't like dogs, like I automatically um, don't like that person. No, I don't trust anyone that doesn't like dogs. Well, actually, I don't trust anyone that doesn't like animals, to be fair. Like if someone's like, oh, I hate animals. I'm like, mm, we're never going to be friends ever. <laughs> I just, it, it doesn't make sense to me. So. I think you're hiding something. That's what I think. I go like, really? What's what? Uh, like, if you've been, I, I get it. If you've been injured by a dog, then that's uh, that's valid to me. But like people who just like, no, nah, I just don't, I don't like them. I'm like, what? Do, what do you not like? The unconditional love, the actual petting of a dog that lowers your blood pressure. What is it about it that you particularly yeah. don't really enjoy? No, they're the best. It's uh, yeah. if I could have like eight of them, I would. Like my dream is to open up like a big, not like a farm, but like have like a really nice like land and then like a really nice like barn and have like a bunch of beds and stuff in there and rescue all the dogs that don't get mm-hmm. rescued that are like too old to get rescued they have like a year to live and i'd love to like rescue them and let them live there <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> my, my husband my husband's like you're absolutely nuts He's, and i was like that's what i want and he was like okay when we're settled down somewhere else like we'll do that i was like thanks he's like oh my god yeah we're just gonna set up uh set this up and it'll be a farm for dogs there's a cool website called yeah. es- esther the pig have you seen that website where these I no this, i haven't yeah these guys in ontario have this massive pig and uh 
these farmers, I guess, were like, yeah, we were going to slaughter this pig, but then we just got attached to it, but we can't. It's massive, right? Like, it's like, it's a few hundred pounds. And so these two guys yeah. now have this pig, and it's called Esther the Pig, like millions of followers on Facebook. Like, they dress her up in, like, you, like costumes and stuff. It's insane. But I'm like, you grow attached. You're just like, this is a living creature, right? So it's like. Yeah. See, well, I don't eat meat, so I'm like. I don't know, like, I'm even more, like, kind of a crazy person, like, especially when people are like, oh, like, I don't, I don't like animals, and then ask for, like, me to cook them, like, a big, like, burger, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I hate you even more. <laughs> like, I know, need, it's so bad. You it's, need I to, try not to judge, but I do judge. Like, I do judge in that situation. Yeah, it's hard, because your mind just goes there automatically without even thinking about it, right? It's just, like, an, an automatic, yeah, uh, no, an automatic thing, so, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I got it pretty bad, but I, uh, it's funny, because he's crept into my act now, like, I talk about him for probably about 20 or 30 minutes on stage, so people who don't have a dog I was like, is this guy just going to ramble on about his love of his dog for 30 minutes? Like, this is the stupidest That's thing. okay. I'm the person on the plane that's like, do you want to see a picture of my dog? And then I'll show him like 800 videos. And they're like, oh, my God. This girl. Yeah, dog lovers get it. But if they don't, that's fine. That's not for them. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I just mentioned the, uh, your broadcasting debut with TSN. And uh, I caught the first half of the women's final. And uh, you sound like an old pro. Like, you sound like you've been doing this your whole life. How did it feel doing it? It was good. It was so intimidating. It was really scary. Um, cause it's so different. Like when you're a player and you like see these broadcasters, you're like, oh, I could do that. No problem. And then I went for my interview in Toronto probably a few months ago. And like everyone was telling me, oh, like you're not going to get hired. Like you need to like do like school. You need to do like small gigs. And I was like, you know what? Piss off. I'm going to go try this interview. If I fail, I fail. If I don't, I don't. So I went in, and I thought I failed so hard. It was so hard. Um, so Vic Router was in there with me, and then um, a couple of, like, the main TSN guys. And it's just really intimidating, to be honest, because it's, like, I guess because now I'm on, like, the outside. Like, as a player, you always hated the broadcasters that ripped on you or your teammates or, you know, that didn't really know what they were talking about. And, it like, when you would re-watch games, obviously you'd hear their voices, and you'd be like, oh, like – it almost annoyed you. So, like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I don't want to be that annoying broadcaster that, you know, all the players hate because I was one of them. Right. Um, so I was, like, trying to be, like, careful of what I said. And they were, like, they made a really good point. They are like, you're not a player anymore. You're, you're you know, play-by-play. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. But um, I feel like I know what I'm talking Well, I know I know what I'm talking about. But it's just, it's a lot different. But um, they were so good and so patient and so helpful with me. So, Hopefully, I'll I'll get more gigs and, and work a little bit more with them because it's so much fun. I, I'm, like, addicted to it now, so. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things, too. I think when you're working with someone like Vic Router, who's been doing it for so many years, if you're doing the commentary, like, it's got to be hard to find a spot to step in. Do you know what I mean? While he's doing his thing, it's like you have to find that little gap to go, okay, here's a quick analysis about what you just saw, whether it's based on possession or what. Yeah. You know what I mean? And what he's great at is he, he's so good at bringing me in, but the one thing that I had difficulty with in my interview is I want to talk about the play for, like, three minutes, right? And, <laughs> like, I don't you don't have that time. You have about three seconds, so it's, like, literally get in and get out. Um, but I, like, almost want to explain to viewers at home, like, what they're seeing in full detail as if, like, how I'd be talking to one of my teammates. But you can't do that. So, yeah, right. I learned that really quick. Um but yeah, definitely, I, I have a lot of work to do. It's a work in progress, but it was still a lot of fun, and it was, yeah, really cool learning experience, and 
I got to do like a, I wouldn't say panel work, but it was just like a two minute segment with Sarah Lesky, like at the booth the one night. And I loved that. That was like right up my alley. It was so much fun. So we'll see what comes from it. Yeah, for sure. It's like, if you have, if you have more time during those halftime segments or whatever, you can actually like break stuff down and get telestrators out and kind of go, you know, start drawing arrows with all those cool gadgets they have, you know, like <laughs> you're just like, yeah. Like you do the well, weather that's what, yeah, that's what I would love. Like obviously with like the world cup and the gold cup for the men, um, at the Olympics, like I would love to do stuff like that, like panel work. And I mean, if it was color and commentating, like that's fine with me too. Cause now I kind of got my, my toes wet with that, but you know, anything to do with broadcasting and TV, I, I was just like, I'm open to anything. And, it was just a really good stepping stone, especially with Vic um, there as well. He just—he really helped me out. He's just a really good guy. Yeah, the um, yeah, those guys too. Like they've been doing it such a long time. It's almost muscle memory in terms of like knowing the rhythm of the game, when to step in, how much time they have. It's almost like an internal clock that they. Yeah. They have. I did uh, remotes for breakfast television in Calgary for a week, and I was like, "This is insanely hard." Like, you have an earpiece in your ear, the studio is talking to you at the same time. I just asked some kids some question about programs at the Y. I'm not listening to a word he's saying because I'm listening to the person in my ear. I was like, yeah. It was yeah, that little... was that was different to yeah, that was so different to me too. You have like your headset on, and like the guys from like production are like telling you who's getting subbed in, or they're doing a playback, and like. Um, the next 30 seconds or cutting to break and you have 10 seconds so it was like uh, and then I'm like trying to see who's coming in who's coming out what position she's going in so it was like it's definitely way harder than it looks and like kudos to people that have been doing it for years and make it look so easy but um, yeah it's definitely harder than it looks (laughs) (laughs) yeah no doubt about it now you're from Saskatoon originally correct I am, yes. Saskatoon, I think there's a lot of similarities in terms of the stigma attached to Saskatoon. Uh, I've been there a number of times, <laughs> and it has some of the best uh, comedy audiences anywhere. Like, comedians will tell you that. Like, people people in Saskatchewan in general, like, love, like they work hard, and they like to just go out and laugh and have a good time, you know? And the other, oh, thing, yeah. about, the other <laughs> thing about Saskatoon is, like, it's a really pretty place. Like, down by that river valley area, like, in between, like, broad, like all those bridges and stuff, they have, like, river boats and stuff. So mm-hmm. I think if people go there in the winter, it's one Saskatoon. But if you go there in, like, June, July, August, September, like, it's like, beautiful, like, along that area. It's so, so nice. It is. Like, people always give it a bad name. And fair enough, wintertime, like, I don't know how people physically live there in the winter now that I've lived <laughs> in hot places because it is so freaking cold. Like, yeah. it's freezing. Like, unless you're dressed with, like, for the part you're like it's it's unbearable for me it's very unbearable but i went home this summer actually um i had a one of my friends got married and it just worked out that i could go home for a couple of days in between and honestly i i haven't been home in ages because obviously i play every summer right and it, it's grown so much like and i know this is gonna like sound ridiculous to people that are like from vancouver toronto but we have like little fresh juice places on the corner we have like healthy food places and I know that's everywhere in big cities but in Saskatoon it's like slowly growing and like fresh pizzeria places and taco stands and like for me growing up there I mean it was like A&W and McDonald's and like Boston Pizza were our main places <laughs> yeah. to go yeah. when we were younger and now it's like oh it's just so cute like I loved it I had such a good time when I was at home and like you said it's so beautiful along our water I mean we have the Fringe Festival that I think it just um happened like maybe two weeks ago but lots of cool artists come in there's just loads to do in the summertime it's it is a it does get a really bad rep 
Yeah, I uh, I went there doing shows in the summer, and I was like, "Oh man, this is awesome!" Then I had to go back in December of a year to do something, and oh, I like cool. I had to get a cab from the hotel to the mall, and it was literally like <laughs> it was like a four minute. Yeah, too close to walk. Yeah, it was a four minute walk, and I'm like, "Ah, uh, yeah, I'm not like what is it minus forty eight? I'm like, I'm not carrying bags." To the, like I just couldn't no. do it. I didn't care. I didn't care. The person at the front desk was like, "Sir, it's literally." I like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't care, lady. Like, I want to live, and I don't yeah. need to die on the way to the mall here. I just don't. Like, I don't care. So uh-huh. I, I cabbed it, and I felt no remorse whatsoever. I felt no. Guilt. I was neither. I remember when I was younger, like elementary school, I'd always call my mom or dad and be like, "Can you come get me for lunch?" And they're like, "Hey, it's literally like a block away," and I'm like. Yeah, it's also minus 55 with the windshield. Like, it's freezing. I'm not walking. <laughs> yeah. I'm so spoiled. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think as I get older, too, I even, like, I enjoy cold even less. Like, like, I live in Calgary, and so you're an hour away from Banff and Lake Louise, and it's beautiful and stunning, but I'm like, I just don't think I'm built for winter weather. Like, you know, you travel and started doing shows in California, like in San Diego, and now I'm like, oh, I could do this, like, year-round, 12 months of the year, shorts, T-shirt. No, I'm like, true. yeah. Totally... See, I love I love my winters when I'm like in the mountains on my snowboard. Like we have a place in Montana, a family place, so we'll go there for Christmas and snowboard and ski. But that's about the only time that I love the snow is when I'm on a snowboard. Other than that, I'm like, no, I need hot weather, beaches, or palm trees somewhere in sight, or else I'm like, no chance. Yeah, it just kind of affects your mood. You're like, I got to get out of this for sure. Um, it was funny last night. I flew, I flew into my hometown uh, yesterday here in Corner Brook, and uh, just weird. Like, my first ever minor soccer coach, this guy, Doug Sweetapple, was just happened to be there with his daughter. She was flying out. And uh, it was funny that I was talking to you today because I'm like, I wanted to ask you that question about, like, your early days of playing soccer and, like, coaches who were so influential. Like, he was so huge in my career just because he was like he worked so hard and was so dedicated to all the players and like even if you had only six players showed up for practice like there was still a practice and we still you know like you still worked on aspects of your game and I like I just realized like your first coaches are so important in terms of developing your love for the game and kind of your approach to it mm-hmm. can you think back like in your own in, like, in your minor soccer days was there anyone that kind of had that impact on you yeah, I mean, being from Saskatchewan, obviously, it's like your hockey players and play, like football players that want to make the Saskatchewan Rough Rider team. So it's being like a soccer player from there wasn't massive. So I was really lucky that I did have a couple of really good coaches, not just one. Like I had a guy named Percy Hoff, and he was honestly phenomenal. He's such a nice guy. He actually was the coach of the Canada Summer Games women's soccer team this year. He's just a – he's – great guy knows his stuff and is like all about skill set which I think really developed me especially being from Saskatchewan like I was never going to outrun anyone on the field like I really had to be like technically really sound and tactically really smart and so he definitely helped me out with that and then Brett Mario was like my youth coaches for ages he like just instilled the confidence in us and you know the passion of it he was just a, a really really good guy as well and then Bryce Chapman he um, coaches or used to coach the University of Saskatchewan men's team and women's team and now just opened up uh, a rec center in, in Saskatoon for the Vancouver Whitecaps um, they just opened up a new facility and he always let me come home and train with like the University of Saskatchewan uh, men's team um, but I was lucky when I was younger like I was able to train with the guys um, we kind of got it approved and then I always played a 
couple age groups higher than me, and that pissed a lot of parents off in the city. And, <laughs> I mean, everyone's going to be a critic of you. There's never going to be everyone that loves you. And I think, obviously, coming from a, a small town and a, a small city, that that was the tough that, – that was the part I had trouble with was having people not believe in you. And it was, like, parents on my team that were, like – the worst like they would like write into my national team coach and say oh she doesn't deserve to be there you could hear them at like games on the sideline like kind of talking shit about me and it was like that's really that's tough to hear because it's like you know you work so hard and you're so young so you're you think the world you could do anything right at that point but then when you start hearing people like oh she's not good enough she doesn't deserve it like she's got a bad attitude and and I didn't I was just super 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 intense and I always wanted to win so a lot of people thought thought that's like a negative thing but in my family like I mean my dad was a pro hockey player so that was just instilled in our house like you work hard you play hard you deserve what you get and nothing comes easy and that was the part I really struggled with in Saskatchewan was just it was like I had loads of coaches that believed in me but it was like the parents that were that I don't and I don't know what it was like I and I know it's everywhere, like you, like I see it when parents go to like soccer games, like even sitting in the crowd at Canada games, like what people say in the stands. And I, I just don't, I can't fathom it because I never grew up with that. Like if my, like my parents would never say some of the stuff that people, like parents do say nowadays. And yeah. I think more so now because sports are so much bigger and the Olympics are so much bigger and World Cups are so much bigger and, you know, soccer overseas is so much bigger on the men's side and women's side now that parents like push and push their kids to be at that level. And I'm just, I'm so grateful. My parents never pushed me and were never negative at any of my like trainings or games. Cause I know I wouldn't be where I am today. Definitely. And, and that's what I always say at my camps. Like parents are like, what, how did you get to this level? I'm like, it was my parents and they weren't crazy. Like they let me do every sport I wanted. They were, you know, supportive. They weren't screaming and yelling at my games and you know what I mean? And I don't know. It's just, it's, it's different world nowadays. Um, just obviously with social media and, and sports teams getting paid more and, and players getting paid more. It's, um, I think parents see like a future for their kids, but I don't know if the kids want that future, if that makes sense. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's so it's so different to see. It's so crazy to me. I think too. Sometimes the parents see a future for themselves in their kids' career. It's like, no, for sure. This is 100%. not about you, Dad. This is about Chelsea here, who's really enjoying playing soccer. She's not worried about the Div One scholarship. You're, you know what I mean? Like it's almost like they're living their dreams vicariously through their kids at some point. You know? No, and it's true. And like parents will come up to me and. And I almost want to laugh, but I'm I'm trying to be respectful. But they're like, how do I get my kid to a D1 college? Like, how do I get them scouted for the national team? Should I bring them overseas? They can get paid 2500 bucks a month, like, overseas. And I'm like – and I, I almost want to laugh. And I'm like, just let them enjoy it. Like, let them enjoy their sport. Like, don't think so much about the future. Like, because – I don't, I don't know it's just I have a different mindset on it like I just because I think my parents were so good with me but when I hear some questions that parents ask me like how do you get scouted for the national team like do we need to send in like video I'm like if your kid is good enough they will get scouted like you know what I mean like there's national team coaches at every event I mean they were at the Canada games like they come out to weekend tournaments like games like they do 
um, scouting at rec centers in in Canada. So I don't know. And and I want to be like brutally honest with parents, but sometimes I feel bad. But I'm like, if your kid is not good enough, they won't get scouted. But if they are, they will. Like, yeah. just relax. Like, let your kid enjoy it. Like, yeah. And I think too, it's I almost yeah. It's so true. It's too that. Uh... You know, like if that's the end goal and I don't reach that goal, it's almost like the, you know, the kid's life or career is a failure. And I was talking to Brian. Yeah, Bur- yeah I was talking to Brian Burke, who's uh, the president of Calgary Flames uh, Hockey Operations. And he was saying, like, the amount of parents who come up and go, my kid is the next star. My kid is the next whatever. And he's like, do you know your child has a greater chance of graduating from Harvard Law School than making it to the NHL? Mm-hmm. But they don't, they're again, well, that, they're just living their dreams that. through this kid. And it's like, I get it. He's got talent or she's got talent, whatever it is. But it's like, that's way too much pressure to put on a kid who's 12, 13, 14 years of age. Well, and especially now, like with social media being so like big, like there's so much more pressure, like with Instagram and Twitter of looking a certain way or acting a certain way or posting so many pictures a day. And like, that's like the one thing that I wish it could be different, like with kind of my career, but it's gotten me to where I am because female sport is so different. We're not getting paid millions of dollars for what we do on the field. Like we get paid through sponsorships. Like that's how I continue to play for so long with my sponsorships, like on field money, like going to be brutally honest. It's, it was, it's bad money. So it was like, for me to be able to do something that I love because I'm not the type of person to ask my parents for a credit card or money to help me out a month. Like I had to go out and, you know, work with companies that I was passionate about. Like that was one thing. Like I didn't work with everyone that reached out because I didn't obviously agree with like some of the brands or how they were doing the promotioning. So like I worked with good sponsors that I was really passionate about, but that's like another thing, like, it's so tough for kids out there nowadays just with that pressure like now going home with parents they're like you need to be you know the next Sydney Crosby or the next Christine Sinclair like I feel bad for kids nowadays like I really do like I'm so happy that I'm all done with that stage of my life and and growing up but well I'm I need to grow up a little bit more (laughs) Um, no it's just I do I genuinely feel bad for them yeah, it's totally unrealistic, and I think you're right. It just kind of sucks the fun out of uh, of what should be fun, right? Like, at the end of the day, like, that's why you play, because you enjoy it, and there's so many other great things that people gain from playing sport. It's not all about becoming the next whatever. It's just like and, – and the thing about it is you can't even predict how it's going to unfold. You could be an incredible talent, but to say you're going to sign the big contract or get the big – you know, endorsement deal. It's like, no one can predict that. Like you just had to put your head down, mm-hmm. work hard and enjoy the process and where it falls. Entertainment's, exactly. a, entertainment's yeah. the same thing too. Like you have people who are a lot of, very talented and they expect that these things are just going to happen. And it's like, man, nobody promised you that. Like just enjoy it, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's why like, you know, when I got this first commentating gig, like I'm, I was not, I'm not qualified for it at all. Like, yes, I know my stuff and yes, I've played so many years the national team, but there is so many people out there that are qualified that went to school for, you know, broadcasting or media and have done all the schooling. And that's why I like worked my ass off for it the week. Like I was doing research and reaching out to like even parents, like just to get more insight of like players because I wanted to be the best at it. Like I want to be so good at it and I want to make it a career, but like people are like, Oh, like you got it because of you're a soccer player. Yes. I'm sure that that helps like a hundred percent because obviously TSN's covered our games, but I also worked my ass off to like try to be the best I could that week at, you know, Canada games and hopefully get jobs in the future. So not everything is like 
on social media looks as easy as it is. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, it's funny too, because I find people and people do this in all walks of life when someone else has an opportunity or any kind of success, they're quick to dismiss it. Like, Oh, he just got that because of blah, blah, blah. He knows so-and-so, or she just got that because whatever it's like, they don't actually put any time into thinking about like all the hours you've spent training and you know what I mean? Like developing your skills and understanding the game and all those things. And it's like, yeah, a door open for you. You walk through it as anyone would, but like people just dismiss all that. Like it's almost like all that mm -hmm. stuff didn't happen for some reason. And it happens the same in entertainment mm -hmm. all the time too. It's like, you don't see the stuff done in the dark. Like when people are not yeah, you know, exactly. on stage, but it's a real disease. I think these days is just quickly. Oh, okay. She just got that because she knows, you know, it's no, like, it's such true. bullshit. It, it is. It's so true. And like, even if like when I was playing, like fans are so quick or like your supporters, supporter groups are so quick to, you know, be your biggest supporter when you've had the best game and your team just won eight, nothing. But like, then they're the quickest to turn on you on social media. And it's so easy, right? Cause they can hide it behind a computer and, I was saying, I did an interview maybe like two weeks ago and I need to be better at not like commenting back to these people because that's what they want and it adds like fuel to the fire. But it, like, it really pisses me off and it bugs me because it's like you make one mistake on the field and these fans go crazy, but it's almost like nasty. Like, yes, okay, I didn't have the best game and you can comment on that, but it's like almost like so aggressive and so like belittling that I'm like, do you honestly feel good about yourself writing that? Like, I know that I had a bad game. Like, I'm my biggest critic. So it's – I just – and that's the one thing with social media that I had to, like, kind of wrap my head around, and I've gotten better with it, and I don't bite as much as I used to, and I, I don't let it affect me, like, at all anymore. But it's, like, I feel like now more than ever it's when people attack, like, you know, my husband or my family. It, like, sends me over the deep end, and I know I shouldn't like comment back like I know I shouldn't when I'm writing it but I just can't help it because I'm like you sound like such an asshole like you have no idea what you're talking about and like this is my family you know what mm -hmm. I mean like you're attacking my family and they're like I don't know it's just I know I shouldn't but I just have to sometimes because I'm like you sound so pathetic yeah it's hard it's hard I think Dallas Green from City and Color said one time like he goes someone will like I don't know use their phone and record you know me playing a song at a concert he goes and puts it up on YouTube and he goes invariably like twelve comments down. It'll be it'll people will start commenting about my wife. Like he's like, I don't know how it went from like me singing this song to now uh, we're gonna trash your wife. Like that's just I don't know. <laughs> it, it is horrible right now. Like it's like and you're right. People can just hide behind some bullshit name on you know Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Um, it's a weird weird time. But you're right. Your skin has to be pretty thick these days. I think to be a public persona. Oh, so thick. Yeah, so thick. Like if it wasn't for like how like that's how I made my money off the field I wouldn't have social media because it's like I find it so like there's so much positive like okay I'm making it sound so bad there is a lot of positive about it and yeah. I've met so many amazing people through social media and like obviously with you like we connected on social media and yeah. you know like I found my hairdresser in Atlanta from social media and you know so stuff like that it, it's such a big platform and there is so many positive from it so I won't take that away like I think it is it's got a lot of positive from it, but it does have, with all the positive, it does have a lot of negative, and the negative is, like, nasty, like, so nasty, so, I don't know. Like, I just posted about, I just watched that documentary, What the Health, have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it's it, no. on Netflix. Okay, so basically, it's, like, long story short, it's about, um, basically, like, 
how our foods give us cancer and all this stuff. So I post about because I've been like a vegetarian or pescatarian for seven years, and I just recently turned to a vegetarian. Now I'm like, oh, maybe I'll try vegan to try to be a vegan. And like I had three comments already that were like <laughs> blasting me. I'm like, oh my god, people. Here's my like, choice. If I choose not to eat meat. I choose not to eat freaking meat. Like. Oh, it's crazy. it's crazy and you're right it's like a it's like a portal you open up like a window that's what social media is right like the yeah. minute you open that window it's like in comes the good in comes the bad and you're like okay uh-huh. here we go buckle yeah, up it's so true <laughs> yeah it is insane it's insane um all right i want to get into this right now because i said if i ever spoke to someone who played in this game i want to know the real deal i spoke to cassie oh Ke- god the u.s game <laughs> I spoke to Cassie. Cam- I already know what you're gonna say. <laughs> you already beat me to it. I already I spoke to Cassie Campbell Pascal. I was like, Cassie, like, give me the real deal on like Canada versus USA. Like, how did you how did you feel like about them? And she's like, honestly, she goes, we hated them. We hated their gut. She's like, it's not like now where players, you know, are playing, you know, on similar club teams or whatever. She goes like, back then we didn't. They weren't even allowed, the U.S. team wasn't allowed to speak to them in the Olympic Village. They were told not to speak to the Canadian girls. Like, So give me the straight deal first about just your, <laughs> what did you feel about the U.S. team? And then we're going to get into that game. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm, I don't know, like I come across as like kind of an asshole on the field. But like off the field, like if you get to know me, I'm actually like, I think I'm really nice. So with the U.S. team, like, everyone's like, do you have beef with them? Like, it's a rivalry before that game. Me, and this is, I'm only speaking for myself, not the team, like, I never, ever once thought of it as, like, a rival. Like, I thought of it like, yes, they were the best team in the world at that point, and I would love to beat them. But at that point, we had never beat them, like, as a first team. Hmm. So to say that that's a rival, like, and this is just my opinion of it. To say it's a rival, I didn't think it was a rival yes it was always a tough game because we wanted to beat them but I think that's different than having a rival like I think a rival is like when the games are close and like we'll win one they'll win one it'll be a draw like it was never like that with the two teams so I hate like me and I'm only speaking for myself like I hated when people said it was a rival because we had never beat them so that's not a rival to me um and maybe that's like I'll probably get shit on for saying that but that's just real that's being realistic yeah um and then in like the athlete village i mean i knew a couple of them just from like playing and you know speaking to them like in between and obviously like i grew up playing with Sydney larue on the u20s um for canada so i knew a couple of them so i never like obviously on the field i'm like oh i hate playing against her she's nasty or she's dirty or blah 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 i don't think she's as good as like everyone says she is like those are the thoughts that go through your head as a player but i never was like oh i won't speak to them in the village so i don't know maybe i'm different like i don't know or maybe i just i'm telling the truth but um the game after the game i like had ill intentions towards the team because obviously it just left a little sour taste in my mouth (laughs) um but it had nothing to do like with the u.s players like it had everything to do with the referees in that game does that make sense like yeah i don't think yes Abby Wambach was counting down like from 10 but like to call like the free kick but Abby Wambach didn't have the whistle in her mouth you know the referee did and I think that's a poor call and I think and I'll be brutally honest with this I think that especially in the NWSL and the MLS the referees aren't up to standard and instead of getting this goal line technology and these 
replays of like bad fouls. I think that they should honestly put the money towards the refereeing association. I don't know what the proper name of it is, but and that's just me being brutally honest. So I think, and obviously in the game where we played against U.S., I think it was a bogus call. I, in all my years playing, I've never seen that call. Yeah, been yeah. called before. I know. So, that's that's that was my point. Yeah. Like I'm like. Like, I've played my whole life. i played in university. i played Challenge Cup level. I've watched thousands of games. It's like, if you're going to call that, fine, blow the whistle, card the keeper, and then she's going to lay it down on the ground, and she's going to kick it out, right? Like, that's how it would play every yeah. single time, If you, even if you are going to call it. And then you call a penalty, like, off the wall. Like, it's like, I couldn't believe it. Like, I had a show. I'll never forget yeah. this. Like, I had a show that night in Ottawa, and I'm at a... I'm at a place watching this game, and I remember being on stage that night, like a little out of it. Like I, I still felt like so <laughs> you angry. You had one too many drinks. Just be honest. No, uh, <laughs> no, I swear I didn't even drink, but I was just like, I cannot believe that like that happened. Yeah. Like a for one call, it's such bullshit, and then B, you're gonna call a penalty after that. Like I just, I was yeah. like, I can't it was believe just, it. It was honestly, it ruined. I think like one of the best games women's soccer have ever played no like, at a, at no a major doubt. tournament and it got the and like the one positive i will take from it is i think it changed how people look at women's football um around the world like because it was an exciting game it was end to end there was goals and they were nice goals they weren't like shit like little garbage goals they were all amazing goals so yep. i think the positive you can take out of it is it really changed women's soccer or, and football, like, around the world. But I think the negative is the refereeing was so poor that game, and they know it. Like, since then, we've, like, the assistant referee, and this is, like, obviously, I won't say which one, but it said, like, I didn't agree with the call. So it just goes back to that where it's, like, it was poor refereeing when your assistants aren't even agreeing with you. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I think she knows that. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah. it's and – and, and everyone makes mistakes. I 100%, like – get it but it was just a really poor mistake yeah <laughs> That's one of the worst times ever exactly but, yeah. i mean at least we won a medal like i mean it made winning a medal that much better and i mean we had no business winning that bronze medal i mean france was all over us they hit what three crossbars missed two breakaways and luck was just on our side that that game and it just made it <clears throat> that much better yeah, it's weird because uh, like when you play and you have that goal, the ultimate goal, and then you realize that that's not going to happen. Like to be able to mentally mm -hmm. refocus, and then like you know what I mean, like you're spent emotionally, you're spent physically, and you got to find yeah. a way to lace them back up and go out. Like I remember watching that bronze medal game too, and I'm like, oh my god, this is going to be this is one way traffic. It's going to be a blowout. But like as the game oh, wore on, yeah. it's like you just kept finding ways to hang in there, and then you clearly have a future in dodgeball because uh, as Diana is poking <laughs> that one in, you're like, get my ass out of the way. Cause like, <laughs> it was usually like, I'm like, I'm well, you like sometimes I'll start and then sometimes I'm first off the bench. And I remember that match watching the game because I was a sub that game. And I remember watching the game and John, like when John, like John was pacing, like, and I was like, Oh my God, like, He's like obviously like you had seen it. It was a one way game, like it's France, like just down us in waves and waves and waves of attack. And I remember John was like finally he looked down the bench and he knew he was about to make a sub and it was usually me the first sub and I was like, Oh my god, like I don't want to go in this game. Like and that was the first time in my playing career in my head where I was like 
I was shitting it. Like, I was like, do not put me in, do not put me in. Like, I don't even know how I can help this game because, like, usually I'm tactically really smart and aware. And I was like, I genuinely don't know how I can come in and affect this game right now. (laughs) And he was like, Kyle. And I was like, shit. (laughs) I was like, okay, put my shin guards on. And so he was telling me, I remember him, he was telling me the game plan. And I kind of looked at him and he could see in my eyes where, like, we both knew, like, I had to be a Christine Sinclair times 400 to change that game. And that was never going to happen. <laughs> and he was like, you know what? Just run your ass off. And he was like, run until you can't breathe. And I was like, you know what? Got it. What to happen? When? And I remember when D put, or D was about to shoot, and I was like, get the hell out of the way or you're going to screw this up for everyone. <laughs> and I remember there's like people like, you tried touching it before it went in. And I'm like, that does, if I wanted to touch that ball, I would have touched that ball. Like, Oh, it was so funny. Yeah, it's insane. It's, uh, yeah, it was a cool moment. I think, because, I mean, I think the team, rightfully so, gets a lot of credit for putting, um, you know, women's soccer on the map in Canada. But I think what's often overlooked is that, like, if you're a Canadian soccer fan in general, like, I don't care what, like, if you cheer for the men's team, women's team, both, whatever, like, there hasn't been a whole lot to cheer about over the years. And so... I think no, sometimes no. it's overlooked at like just how many like young boys are watching that and how many like grown men are sitting there like just finally yeah. on a world stage Canada and people wearing red jerseys are winning shit like it was a really really cool moment like I, I remember that I was like man like I literally yelled at the television it was insane I was like so yeah. jacked up well it's cool too like I mean like and this is when you know it's changing. Like I remember the 2015 Women's World Cup in our first game in Edmonton. I was there. And we walked out into the stadium. Yeah. And usually it was like, you know, men's hockey jerseys with the big Canadian logo on it with like Crosby on the back or Jonathan Taze, you know. And like we literally walked out and it was like Sinclair jerseys, like Kyle jerseys, Maxson jerseys. And to me, I, I remember I it came in as a sub that game. So I walked out first and I was like, this is such a cool moment because it like shows that we as a whole changed how Canadians look at soccer and football. And I thought that was such a cool moment. And, and you see it even when you're home. Like I remember me and Janelle Foligno, she's like one of my really good friends, but we were at the retirement celebration in Toronto and we may have gone out for a few bevies before <laughs> the game and appetizers. Right. And we were sitting in this little bar with our, with our husbands and um, her dad was there and, we had so many people come up to us and be like, can we get a picture? And it was literally like young girls to young boys to older guys to women to married women. It was to like grandma and grandpas. And we we're like, that's so like no one like to us. We're like, no one should know who we are. Like we're just two girls sitting in here having like a glass of wine. And I don't know. It was just it was cool to see. Like it was, it was it's and it's nice. It feels good, too, because it, it shows that you've actually done some good in Canada, which to me is like so important as a as an athlete and as a role model yeah for sure and it gets back to what we talked about earlier too about like you just don't know what the impact is like you're just you guys are in your own little bubble you know what i mean like doing your thing and training hard and doing the best you can and the impact that it's going to have on you know the rest of the country is like you cannot measure that and then you you kind of see it in 
in increments once you get back and out and about in public and stuff. So it's, it's uh, no, it was a pretty cool moment. I'm still quite angry about the uh, U.S. game. I'm not gonna lie about it, but uh, whatever. I, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny you said you took the bait about going online. It's like I literally was explaining to people online about. I go, dude, this guy's like, hey, you know what? The rule is the rule. I'm like, dude, if that's if there's, there's rules within the rules. Like if you've ever played, there's a game within the game. Otherwise, there'd be yeah. like 25 fouls called on every corner kick. It's like. Everyone's grabbing jerseys. Everybody's pushing. It's like you just, there's rules and referees have a feel for the game and they know, okay, this is, they just know it's a rhythm, right? Like, anyway, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I'm taking the bait here and this is not good. So then I had to, (laughs) I had to back off. Don't worry. I always take, especially now that I'm like done playing, I take the bait and I'm like, because I feel like I can a little bit. I'm like, okay, I don't have to be super politically correct with everything I have to say. But then I'm like, no, I kind of do because I'm like, I want to get on with TSN or Fox or, you know, something like that. Right. So I'm like, I kind of have to be careful. But I'm like, yeah. no, I'm like, I can't. You sound like an absolute knobhead on like Twitter. I'm like, I need to say something. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Because I, you, you ever do this where someone does that and you lay in bed at night and you're like, you know what I should have said? I should have said, like, you know what? I'm going to type. It's like, am I? how much time have I wasted thinking about this idiot yeah. who wrote wrote whatever i'm like clearly i could do better things with my time than this clearly i could do something else with my day or sometimes i'll be laying in bed and i'm like shoot i should not have said that i'm like is it too late to delete it and it's like 276 likes i'm like yeah yeah that's gone that ship has sailed That ship has uh, failed. And saved on someone's phone. Yeah, no matter what you do, it is what it is. Uh, all right, I know you got to get going, um, but I wanted to touch on this. So you've, besides this yeah. uh, broadcasting world that you've kind of dipped into, you also have soccer camps. Tell folks a little bit about what's going on with your soccer camps. Yeah, so my soccer camps, basically, um, I started them three years ago in Saskatchewan. I did one in Saskatoon, one in Regina, and then... Um, they honestly blew up my first year. They were amazing. And I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting like maybe like 30 to 40 people. And my first one was like 350. So it was, it's amazing because all my sponsors get on board. They help out with, you know, obviously um, awesome little jerseys. They all get brand new jerseys um, and then like really cool prize giveaways. Um, And then with the earnings, I actually give um, scholarships um, one to the, or sorry, four in total, but I give um, one, two to the University of Saskatchewan, two to the University of Regina for a male and female athlete for um, an athletic scholarship. Cool. Um, and then I also bring in, like, inner-city kids to uh, the camps as well, um, which I just I love because they will never get that opportunity. And my camps aren't only about, like, building skill. It's about building confidence and, you know, kind of coming out of your shell and, and getting all, off all the social media and your phones and just literally coming out for an hour and a half in the morning, hour and a half in the afternoon and – just having fun again and, and like realizing what it feels like to be a kid again. Cause I do feel like we forget it in this day and age. Um, but yeah. And then after that, the next year they kind of opened up across Canada and, and then into America. And then this year, um, I really want to get out to the Maritimes. So I haven't been yet there yet. That's the only place I haven't been. So I'm going to talk to the couple people out there and cool. I'll be doing one, hopefully in Saskatoon. I'm just confirming a date, um, in October, end of October, but yeah, they're just they're great events, and I love doing them, and I love, you know, developing players at a grassroots level and, and kind of showing them what I've done overseas or with the national teams with drills and warm-ups and cool-downs just to kind of show what it takes to be a pro. Well, that sounds awesome. Um, yeah, it'd be great if you get make your way to Newfoundland at some point, too, because the game is uh, – I know the women's team did really well, actually, at Canada Games that they showed really, really well. 
um, this year. Yeah, Nova Scotia, I mean, got third, so they've done so well, yeah. It's crazy, yeah, with these smaller populations, and, and a lot of times the resources aren't there, so I think uh, a camp like yours, uh, I think people would really flock to, for sure, so... Um, well, best of luck with it all. Uh, good luck. I'm sure we will see you next to Vic Ryder again quickly <laughs> I on, hope so. on TSN. You need to get some kind of petition, some kind of type of, some kind of like public pressure, like people calling the station just constantly. Like I refuse to watch this unless Kalen Kyle is going to be doing, like you need that kind of public pressure. Put, put on the station. I've been telling people, no, I'm like on Twitter. I'm like, what's well, this tweet at TSN? Tell him to bring me back. And then I told Vic, I'm like, Vic, I will pay you. And he was like, I never want to see you again. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, kidding, I hope. But no, nice. um, no nice. it's been good feedback so far. So hopefully we'll see. Fingers crossed. Yeah, well, best of luck with it. Uh, like I said, you did a great job. And I'm, uh, I'm sure it'll be in your future. And thanks for your time today. I know you're busy, so I really appreciate it. No, thank you. It's so good uh, having this call and getting to know you a little bit better. All right, well, take care. Have a good summer. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's how it all started Like a whisper in your ear You told them you loved them And ran as fast as you could It's not to be taken lightly Then you never were Your fingers bleeding, your body aches from the thunder in your heart So you laid on the line Blindfolded and chalk marked Like a good little soldier Knew just what you were Can you give up now? Can you turn this around? Can you keep your heart beating? How do you live when you don't know how? So you laid on the line, blindfolded and chalk marked, like a good little soldier, knew just what you were. Can you?